Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm here again with Inez. Um, Inez, how are you doing today? Um, you know, I'm doing all right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that sounds not very... Scary, scary, scary times in the world. I, I know they just issued um, a alert for all American citizens abroad to be on like heightened alert for that for strikes. Violence. That strikes me so, as a little bit hysterical. Scary. All Americans abroad. So if you're in Iceland right now, you, you should be worried that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is going to come for you. Well, I think it's more because, of course, there are, there are people in each of these countries. Um, the same reason that there's a, been a heightened alert in New York City. Uh, the NYPD put out a, a heightened alert basically when this started, and they've maintained it through the week. Um, and there have been, fortunately, some small number of incidents. But you know, um, in, in, in both, of course, the the case of of this family that was murdered by their landlord, yeah. it seemed like um, apparently on the basis of of their identity as, as I think I can't remember if, even if they're Palestinian or simply Muslim or Arab, and then uh, just just. Just recently, uh, just either this morning or yesterday, there was somebody punched in the face on the subway for looking Jewish. Um, but these are still relatively small. These are still relatively small incidents. But uh, I don't know. You look at the streets in some of these, especially European yeah. capitals, uh, you can see why there's a heightened alert. Yeah. Plus, this is just starting. I mean, um, you know, th- th- this very easily could turn into a, a big regional war um yeah anyway, yeah, so, yeah the um yeah i mean the like yeah the u.s is always sort of giving alerts i i, I always think that sort of i think they're just sort of yeah, like a abundance of caution i had a friend who that you know there were, who's in um who's a who's a businessman and he said you know remember the day of jihad it was supposed to be last friday i think and he was like man do you think there's going to be big terrorist attacks i said i doubt it i mean this terror warning i've always thought that you know the relative list, uh, risk of these things is pretty small probably not you know a good idea to walk through the you know neighborhoods of beirut with a yamakan or or something but i mean I, you know i don't think there's major you know i don't th- I, I don't expect major attacks against americans you know either at home uh, or abroad from this stuff um the uh, um, I, I I don't know I I uh, let's see what what the language of this is. That's what I'm trying to due to increased tensions in various locations around the world. The potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests. The Department of State advises U.S. citizens overseas to exercise increased caution. I mean, but but the things they're telling you to do are not uh, you know crazy. They're not telling people not to go. They're just saying stay alert in locations frequented by tourists. Um, you know, they're giving out the embassy and consulate numbers and so on. I mean, I I think this is reasonable. I think it's hysteria. I think, we, I, think I think there are things that are, are hysterical, but I, I think this is you think this is reasonable. You, you it's reasonable to put people or on a higher alert. in some random European country. You would say because they're American, they're necessarily in more risk than they otherwise would be. I, I don't like like maybe like by zero point zero zero one. There could be there could be two there could be two different ways you're at higher risk, right? One is is being targeted as an American, which I agree is is at least if you're in a European capital, I think that's unlikely. Um the the second risk is simply that the the risk of terrorism is is higher. And you could just be visiting I mean you could be visiting the square in Nice, right? If if it's more likely that there are going to be uh terrorist strikes in various uh places around the world if the elevated risk those kinds of attacks, it's higher. I think that's the point of the tourist locations, right? You might say the same thing about Times Square in New York. I mean, there is something obnoxious about, uh, that 
I don't know if this is the right attitude or not. I'm sure my, you know, my, my mother doesn't appreciate this attitude, but I, I, I'm not going to change a single thing that I do based on, on this. There's something, uh, very irritating about being told as an American in my own country, like, oh, you know, you might want to stay away from large tourist gatherings or something like that. But I, I can see like putting your head on a bit more. Of this uh, yeah. I mean, we could get into the probabilities of, you know, terrorist attacks and, you know, but that's, that's okay. Well, we'll, we'll move on from the U S uh, and the U S state department warnings. Um, but yeah, I mean, general matter, Israel, Palestine, I mean, that's still going on. Um, you know, we're, we're at the point they basically, uh, Israel has not uh, done a ground invasion yet. I've always thought, and I've said this like last week that, People have been expecting this for like a week or so. And I've said, I think this is probably a psyop. Like, even if they weren't going to invade with, uh, uh, even if they weren't going to do a ground invasion, like they could just tell, you know, they could tell the Palestinians they were going to do a ground invasion. You know, I think that if I, not that I know anything about military stuff, but if it was me, I would just, I would just, uh, uh, I would just blockade and bomb for a very long time. Like, I don't know why you would start sending your troops there when basically it's looks like it's getting really desperate uh, within Gaza. And, you know, they're begging for aid and the Biden administration is working out some aid, but it's like, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like that's, it's that much. And it's, it's questionable whether it'll get there. Um, And so the situation is really bad uh, in Gaza. Um, But uh, yeah, so what's, what's your, what's your take on sort of the war and what we've learned, you know, in the last few weeks? I mean, a lot of the practicalities are not, and I'm far from a person that's like an expert on the practicalities of this, but I feel like people forget uh, a few things. One, how small uh, Israel is, which we mentioned the last podcast, you know, you're talking about 9 million or so people. I think there are at least half a billion people in the surrounding countries that are uh, hostile to Israel, right? So it's a very small country. Um... Yes, it's it's richer. Yes, it's more technologically advanced. But uh, you know, there there are vulnerabilities based on on just. I mean, even when you're talking about the front, you're talking about if they open a ground war front, you're talking about you know a couple hours by car from the most populous cities in Israel, right? So that the scale of things, I think, uh, makes it very difficult militarily to to secure. Um, and then there's there's the you know if if they have to do a ground invasion into Gaza. Uh, while, and I think this is something that I, I didn't even realize until I was just reading about it. I knew about the tunnels under Gaza, but there's there's a big network of tunnels built by Hamas and also by other terrorist groups. Um, that's a base of operations that if they do a ground to ground invasion, I mean, they really want to at least, and I don't know if it's possible, um, Edward Lukebach says it's impossible, but uh, but other military experts say it's not impossible. And that's why they're actually trying to get people, some people are speculating, that's, you and I speculated it was to try to get them on the Egyptian border, but one of the reasons they're trying to move civilians, I think, is so that they can heavily, heavily bomb certain parts of Gaza that have infrastructure underneath the ground. Um, because t- going in as a ground invasion, when you have all those tunnels, I mean, it's going to be incredibly bloody and deadly uh, for Israeli do they, soldiers, do they know where the tunnels uh, are? Already, house to house fighting the is already. Are? You say they want to um, bomb everything. I think they have. Yeah, I think they have intelligence about where it is. But first of all, you know, it's underground. You'd need a much bigger bomb. And second of all, it's you know, there's an entire city of people mm. on top of it, which is, I think, in part why it's not simply, although that is part of their ideology. They want you know people to die for for jihad. 
Um, and frankly, you know, dead Palestinian civilians are very, very useful to them in this war if they want to, you know, halt Israeli action, if they want to constrain Israel. Um, so, you know, that's that's a general tactic of theirs. But I think specifically in this case, the more civilians are on top of this infrastructure, the more bloody they can make an invasion, right? The, the harder they can make it for the IDF going, you know, door to door, which is already something the American military tries to avoid as much as possible. You know, you're talking about Fallujah style fighting where you are, I mean, th- this is the most dangerous form of fighting for the force doing it. Um, as opposed to, you know, look, they, if to the point of, of your piece, I think that was very good um, that you published last week uh, or earlier this week, um, you know, could Israel, I mean, Israel has nukes, everyone knows, even though they don't acknowledge, um, you know, <laughs> And they have many bombs that are in between a big bomb uh, and, and nukes. And like, if they wanted to flatten Gaza, they could. Um, the question is, you know, how how much are they willing to do? How much the the world will constrain them in doing so? Um, and and I think those are not equivalent questions, right? I, I think the, the constraints placed upon Israel uh, are totally just to use their favorite word disproportionate than is placed on any other uh, sovereign state responding to these kinds of attacks. So, but leave that aside for a moment. And that's what I think is so interesting about the piece you wrote, that there are constraints coming from within, right? Constraints that we don't want to let go of, uh, that, that make us, you know, sort of Western or civilized nations in, 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 uh, you know, waging this kind of warfare. Um, and, and so that, that is the question. I think they're also delaying the ground invasion, frankly, uh, the big the Hezbollah is much bigger, much better armed. Uh, could could make a real war in the north. I mean, I know that U.S. carriers are there, and Biden's statements are there to try to prevent that from happening. Uh, but they have to they have to take that into their calculations, right? Um, they didn't call up three hundred fifty thousand reservists to go to Gaza. Uh, so I, I think that's probably a lot of the. There's probably something a lot of stuff that we're not aware of happening. A lot of talks happening behind, and then of course the, the third aspect of it is the leadership of Hamas is in Qatar in five-star hotels. Um, so are they going to strike Qatar or are they putting together some kind of assassination team? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I think the, yeah, I mean, I suggested, I think the, you know, the Israel is going to have to sort of do some kind of siege of Gaza. They're going to have to, you know, accept the civilian uh, casualties. And I think they're, you know, I think they're doing it so far. They're trying to, you know, minimize it as much as they can, telling people to go to the south. There's a graphic in the Washington Post which shows where they've been hitting. They've been basically been hitting the northern half uh, of Gaza, the places that they told uh, people to evacuate. I was I was surprised to see, uh, like Gaza. One of the leaders of Hamas did an interview where he said, you know, we'll re- you know a 24 hour truce and we'll release. Um, the civilian will release the women and children. I think he said um, civilians, and I, I think that just shows that sort of the coercion is probably working. They killed one of the major commanders in a um, uh, who was hiding in a refugee camp, um, and so it does look like sort of like it does look like the um, the coercion campaign is working for like two you know for what you can get out of sort of two weeks. Um, I think it's sort of, you know, I haven't seen reports on if we have estimates or we know how many people are left in northern Gaza and how many people uh, actually stayed behind. Um, But yeah, I think this is going to, you know, I think this is going to continue. And I think that it's going to end somehow 
in either the northern half of Gaza, like being depopulated or Israel occupying it and getting a buffer zone. Um, I don't see how they, they don't do something like that. Right. And they could just, they could just bomb and siege if they just want to empty the, the north, the north of Gaza, you know, they could just keep bombing and sieging um, until, you know, until everyone goes south or hopefully everyone leaves. But, you know, the Egyptians are not uh, allowing that to happen. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's also Hamas not allowing it to happen, uh, even within Gaza territory, right? If it, even the move into the south, which I actually now suspect has to do with some intelligence as to what is underground in the northern part versus the southern part of Gaza. Well, it's just a buffer um, zone, right? Yeah, I, I mean, just, I think it's just a buffer right. zone. If I mean, if the people aren't there, then you can't attack them. Well, also, it could be true, and I don't know, but it could it all could also be true that the major infrastructure underground that Hamas has been using is mostly in northern Gaza, right? Like, and that would make sense because it's alongside yeah. the border. Well, southern Gaza um, also is a border, but if you look so at So it, it could be that yeah. they're trying to move everyone out to yeah. level uh, yeah, that I looked, part I, of, I just, of, uh, I looked at a population density yeah. map. So yeah, southern Gaza also borders Israel, but it's pretty much empty land. So northern Gaza is like where the actual settlements are, right? So if you get everyone to southern Gaza, they're basically, they're bordering the desert uh, at that point. So yeah, th- this, this just, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think it's going to succeed. I mean, I think it's going to succeed. I don't see them just like, get, like they can do the siege indefinitely. Like Biden, you know, people can complain. Like, you know, they can do the siege indefinitely. Like, I don't see like what's going to force them not to do this anymore. I, I, I think that they are constrained, um, unfortunately. And you look at, and this is where it does actually matter. Uh, you know, the opinion of the UN. Well, world, what do you, so what do you think about, I wanted to ask you, what, yeah, what do you think about Biden and uh, sort of the Biden, how Biden administration is handling this? I mean, it's on the, on the surface, it's, uh, you know, good to hear uh, in terms of standing with Israel publicly. Um, but I, I mean, you have I reached the, the end of the free recording for this episode of Clown Car. To listen to the rest of the episode, please consider becoming a paid subscriber.